Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. So, Bo, why don't you start us off? What you do in the military, and then who did you choose from the conference, and you know why did you choose that? Yeah. Pete. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Bo Hughes. I'm an Army Logistics Officer. I was stationed at Fort Wainwright, Alaska. Uh, um, I ended up taking the procurement specialist job with HF Sinclair in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and it's funny because my business analysis was like very low in my ratio when I talked with Pete. Um, but when I went for a site visit, um, I really got to see like what I would be doing. Um, and I found it very interesting. Um, and also, culture is very big for me. Um, and, and the culture at HF Sinclair was like really tight knit, um, and, and more blue collar. Um, and, and that's how I, I identify myself closer to the, uh, blue collar folks. Um, so that's why I went with HF Sinclair. Excellent. I told, I told the group, I was going to say this and I wasn't planning on saying it now, but, um, in the case of Valerie, sorry, it's, it's, this is a men comment, <laughs> men, do not come to the conference with that. With, like Bob's has a good looking beard and Ryan did the skill bridge. So he had like this amazing beard. Don't come to the conference with your beards on. Come to the conference looking like Ryan and Pete, not like Bo. I'm not saying you don't look good at Bo. And I know everyone loves the beard at HF Sinclair. Got it. Candidates, men coming to a conference, got to shave the beards. Anyway, sorry. I knew I, I, knew I was going to have to get that in there. Thank you. Hey, I do want to ask one follow-up question. Um you said your business analysis percentage was low. Can you just explain that and kind of flesh that out for the group? Yeah. So the research I did, um, I thought my my ratio is like 41% team leadership, 39% uh, sales, and then 20% business analysis. It was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I could see myself doing business analysis, but eh, I did, it didn't like, I, I, I thought I would want to lead people. Um, and then, of course, I went on the site visit. I went with uh, I went on a site visit with HF Sinclair and Loves, um, and I I just thought like the business analysis. I was only responsible for myself, which was nice coming um, out of the military, um, but also like getting to learn so much so quickly and 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 getting to work with a bunch of different departments just to broaden um, my knowledge extremely quickly. I, yeah. I think it's valuable. And you will, I, you as you well know, you're gonna lead people. I mean, you know, a little bit more of an individual contributor role, but like you, you'll get promoted and you'll be leading people before you know it. So you'll be back in that seat, no problem. So, all right, cool. Um, we're just gonna kind of go in in clockwise fashion here. Valerie, why don't you kick us off next? Kind of, who are you? What you do in the military? And then who'd you choose? Hi everyone, I'm Valerie Roberts. Um, I'm a Navy intelligence officer. I'm currently stationed at Naval Air Station Fallon. It's in Northern Nevada. And in the military, I primarily worked with uh, Naval Aviation. So it was attached to both a squadron as well as a training command. So I've done uh, work on both onboard aircraft carrier and teaching others and doing a lot of project uh, program and project management. Mm -hmm. And I went with MARS, so I'll be uh, with MARS Pet Care and their Pet Care Division as an associate brand management, brand manager. And so um, I, I chose that because, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, I thought the fit was going to be um, a great culture fit for me. Um, and for me, I was really intrigued by more of the creative side that kind of came out when you start thinking about brand management, you start working with creatives and that's a lot of kind of campaigns and uh, 
you know, things that I went skillful in the military, but I thought that was something I could kind of lean on more in the civilian side. And it was just something that um, I fit well with and was really interested in working for them. And I remember before the conference, you and me talking about the creative side of life and things and things you're interested in. So, and and I'm thinking about all three of you, actually, it's funny how, you know, you just, you do a search and you just find, I mean, you could have gone to a lot of places, Valerie, I know that, and you know that, but like, you just find the thing that, that fits the best. So I'm happy for you. It seems like a really excellent fit for you. And it's pretty awesome. All right, cool. All right, Ryan, go for it. Who are you? Yeah, go save the best for last. That's what yeah, I like yeah, to hear. Save the best for last. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, hey, everybody. I'm Ryan England. I'm a captain in the Army. Um, Air Defense Artillery, currently stationed out here in Hawaii, Oahu, at Pearl Harbor Hickam. Um, in current operations, did the platoon leader time, did the executive time. I'm sure most people have. And then um, end up choosing Motorola Solutions. So I'll be out of Dallas, uh, DOD West. And I chose it for numerous reasons. But really, um, it was the, it's the sales. I, I really like the sales lifestyle. I like the autonomy of it. Um, I really like the boss that I'm going to go work for and, and kind of how he leads the culture that he sets for his team. And then also the company itself, um, really giving back to the DOD, but also first responders and kind of their mission set. Um, you get to deal with technology, but I, I also get to fly to different places. I get to have a lot of different customers. And I kind of get to be the boots on ground, I guess. And that kind of speaks to me to kind of have those relationships and to continue to build relationships. I remember when you were thinking about making your choice and we were talking a little bit about Motorola Solutions, I told you the story of when I went to my first job and my boss and it sat, remember we connected, it sounds like your yeah. boss and my first <laughs> boss are very, very were, are and were very similar. But that's an important point for the group is like, you know, it's one thing that you can't ever figure out on a website or looking at a job board, like what's the chemistry that I'm yeah. going to have with my boss and future team. And I think people don't spend as much time thinking about that, but you know, just think about it, situations in the military. If you've had these where you go to work every day thinking like, ah, I'd like to change out a little bit. <laughs> um, so I, again, it's just another factor. And I wanted to highlight it because you said it, Ryan, but it's just another factor that I think is important in the process. All right. Well, let me, let me throw some conference-based questions or oriented questions at you, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. So Ryan, why don't you just keep going? Um, what did you do well? I remember a couple of mock interviews that we had before the conference and, and you were ready to interview. So what did you do well before the conference that really helped you to to be successful at the conference? Yeah. So I think I think the major thing is really going to be your study group. And um, at the end of the day, you want to have a hard study group. And I know it's it's harder to sit there and say and tell somebody that you don't really know, hey, hey, I would do this differently or hey, I don't think this sounds well, but really have a hard study group that when you're going through your answers, they're telling you like, hey, you're kind of dragging on or, hey, you need to add a little more substance here or it doesn't really make sense. Because for me, um, even being in the in the military or I guess army side of it, whenever someone in the Navy would would go through their significant accomplishment, half the time I'm like, I have no clue what they're talking about. So really, it's it's um, being able to re relay your information correctly to the audience. So doing that with a study group, but then also kind of I utilize my brother and kind of family members because they're they're civilians. So if I'm speaking to them and they can't really keep up, um, kind of tells me to to uh, I guess narrow it back down and make it a little bit more specific, a little bit more detailed, so that they can they can follow along and how to translate your army accomplishments or your military accomplishments into the civilian sector. So really for me, I think that study group's the most critical uh, critical part. But then also. Uh, with that study group, kind of go off script because a lot of, at least for me with the interviewing, a lot of it with the sales um, 
and and I'm sure Bo and Bo and um, Valerie can speak differently, but for the sales portion, a lot of it is just conversation. Um, so it wasn't the exact script of, of questions, but some of them are kind of off the wall or or I wasn't really anticipating it. So really, it's being able just to com- converse with somebody. So I think practicing that in your study groups as well. Yeah, it makes sense. And I know you got the other two other two panelists were in a study group. So what was your study group like, Bowery? Uh, mine, mine was actually pretty small. It's just me and one other uh, person. It was a officer, a U.S. Air Force officer on the East Coast. But because of we were, cl- you know, close knit, we were able to kind of spend a little bit longer. So our sessions were not as frequent, but we were able to spend a little bit longer together. And because she had a very different background than I did, we were able to be very candid with each other. And I think we were able to kind of use like, hey, this is a phrase of how I would explain this, or this is kind of how I would close out this interview. And I think we're able to share just some of those key phrases or transitions that a lot of times I think trip people up. Uh, yeah. So that was something that was really helpful for me. Well, that's two, two, like you've both said it now. And, you know, so, if, you know, when you're in your study group, you guys, if you can, if you can get other, other services, so it's not a super homogenous group, if you can get someone from the arm, you know, every service in there. I think I can help it. It can help a ton, but I know who you're talking about Barry and that Air Force officer. I mean, that's and she was in a completely different career field. So not only it was different branch, but just a whole different type of job in the military. So um, I think that's a real helpful. How about you, Bo? Were you did, weren't you in a study group? Yeah, I, I was in a st- down. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was in a study group with uh, two other guys. Okay. Uh, they were both Army. One was a engineer, and one was a logistician, like myself. Um, but what I did, I, I joined late, uh, to, or I had not very much time before the conference. I joined August 28th and then the conference started November 3rd. Um, but what I, I found was beneficial was I would hop on a call. I hopped on a call with Pete, multiple calls with Brock and a couple calls with Joel. And I would, you know, we would talk and I would give my responses. And then I would go back to my study group and say, Hey, this is what Pete, Joel or Brock told me to work on. Um, I'm going to give you my answer. Tell me what you think. Um, and that was extremely beneficial for me and made um, it it made the most of the the short amount of time that I had. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, one of the things that I think people feel intimidated by are like, well, I don't want to kind of back to Ryan's comment. You know, I don't want to like be hard with someone because what if I'm wrong? I don't I don't know what to say. I don't know what advice is good. I mean, it's it can be a little bit intimidating but I just want to put an exclamation point on that. When you're in your groups, like like put your armor on, you know, and go for it. You know, get your ego, put your ego, leave your ego at the door or whatever they say so you can really, really challenge each other. And yeah, maybe it's not right. Maybe it's not perfect, but but I do think it's probably the best way to do it and pretty helpful. Okay, so now that you're through the conference, you've said yes to a company, you have a start date, you're ready to rock. I'd like to know if you could do one thing differently, and it can be minor. It doesn't have to be some major thing. Obviously, you guys were all very successful. But if you could do one thing differently as it relates to Cameron Brooks or the conference or whatever, what do you think that would be? And Bo, we'll let you go first this time. Yeah, Pete. So um, I think I would have given myself more time. Um, I was kind of, I was iffy on Cameron Brooks at first. um, And then... um, when I talked to the recruiter, uh, he gave me some alumni names um, and I called those alumni and I talked to him and then it was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. 
Um, so for me, I wish I would have given myself a little bit more time. I was a look, I was lucky enough to do the skill bridge. Um, so, so I could dedicate all my time to preparing for the conference, but I still wish I had a little bit more. Um, and, and I, I did okay at the conference, but, um, I, I just wish I had more prep time. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to make a, make a comment on skill bridge here real quick. For those who don't already know, we are a DOD SkillBridge provider. Ryan, I know you did the SkillBridge. Valerie, did you yeah. do SkillBridge too? I did as well. Okay, for so about, everyone, yeah, everyone more than half two months. Yeah, cool. So yeah, for the group, we are a SkillBridge provider. We have a memorandum of understanding signed by the DOD. So, you know, we're official or whatever it might be for, we've done that for a couple of years. Um, I think we, we had an internal meeting here at CamWorks last night. And I think, you know, we think about the SkillBridge and even though we participate in it, we think generally speaking, it's not a great program for most officers that are going out getting, you know, trying to get like an internship to potentially fingers crossed, get an offer. And hopefully it's a good company. Hopefully it's the right offer. Hopefully there's a lot of hope in that. And, and we feel like the Skillbridge program broadly is probably not doing a beneficial thing to high potential development candidate leaders. It's great for a lot of the bulk of the military. I think it's very good for a lot of military and military spouses. It's actually open to spouses. But if you're thinking about a skill bridge, and it's a little bit unfair because you probably you, this group probably wasn't expecting me to do this, but it's just on our mind right now. I would think hard about how you're going to do it. The beauty of the skill bridge program that we provide is it just gives you time. And I know that all three of you now, when you mentioned that, Valerie, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, she did. And I so I just know that it's it's a, the opportunity to to take the time that you need to level and prepare. Um, so if your chain of command will allow it, we do up to 90 day skill bridges. Want to chat with you about it. If that's a, if that's the thing you have the opportunity to do. Thank you. Um, all right, Valerie, how about you? What, 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 if anything, would you do differently or would you have done differently? Yeah, I guess it kind of on that same note of skill bridge. I think one of the things I would have done differently was I would have jumped into, uh, my study group earlier. I think I was a little bit hesitant. I waited until I was fully on on uh, SkillBridge. That was just because of our, my opt in about work. But I think even just once a week, I could have kind of got some of those early, you know, kick off the run still a little bit earlier. I think that would yeah. have helped. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. And Ryan, how about you? Any Anything that you would have done differently? No, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Now, um, <laughs> say, sure. I mean, I do agree. I think having more time, I was kind of on a expedited uh, timeline, so or expedited timeline. So uh, longer skill bridge. And then also, I would say one thing is, um, and I know I did it during the second day, and I'm sure we'll talk about the actual interviewing, but having sticky notes around the computer to smile more, because there's a lot of times where you're just sitting there with a stone face um, during an interview, and it's like hard to read, read that situation. So I think having those sticky notes around, having the cheat sheets and things like that, having it more set up for the first day um, after after speaking with Joel, going through like, hey guys, make sure y'all do these things. Kind of uh, implementing that into the second day, really, it really, I think, made me understand a little bit more of the process and you're kind of a little bit more confident and then you're actually smiling and not just blank staring um, into the computer of interviewers. A lot of officers are frustrated, like, ah, virtual conference, I wish we could do it in person. And we actually talked about that last night for the first time, you know, looking at you know, the future and what things might hold. So who knows what, what, what the future might hold. But, um, but I do know that there are ways to build rapport two-dimensionally <laughs> on a screen. And a lot of it has to do with facial expression and just kind of nonverbal communication, but it is such a major and important thing. So I would say if you're, if you're in a study group and you guys are meeting in person, you may want to do some of those meetings 
like in over Zoom and and record them and go back and watch yourself. You know, one some I was listening to a podcast the other day about communication and the advice that guy gave was, you know, record yourself either on your phone or on Zoom or whatever. And then like go back and watch it with the the volume completely down. Like you totally mute it and just watch the way you communicate and the and listen when you communicate. Um and then secondly, turn the video off and just listen to your cadence and listen to the way you speak. And then third, put them all together. But if you're if you're not as natural of a communicator, that might be an exercise to go and practice either by yourself or with your group or whatever it might be. Okay. One of the things I want to talk about is surprises. Now, we do so many podcasts and post-conference webcasts that, you know, maybe there's not a lot of surprises now, which is kind of the goal of doing this. Like, we want to eliminate the surprise factor for the conference. But, you know, Valerie, did you, did you, did anything happen that you weren't expecting or like, oh, that was, that was different than what I was thinking? Well, I think for me, I mean, I, I know you guys always mention that the coaching room, hey, the coaching room's there, you know, it's super helpful. I, I was kind of, you know, I kind of brushed that off thinking, oh, they're just <laughs> saying that. But, but no, it really, I mean, that, that was something that was extremely helpful to be able to kind of take a breath for a second after an interview and then be able to pop into the coaching room and be able to just kind of talk through what had just happened and potentially the next interview. That was something I thought, you know, I was able to improve drastically over the the two days. I thought that was a, a good surprise. I think if there was a coaching room when I went, if I had a virtual conference while I was in your shoes, I'd have done the same thing, man. I'd be like, eh, coaching room. Eh. But but I do think, I mean, even if you don't hear, like if you were in a coaching room and I didn't like say anything like super groundbreaking, prolific, just just like expressing what happened, like you're saying, like expressing things and just kind of just letting it out. I mean, that's there's there's a catharsis, there's release, there's things that occur that it's just like, okay, let's do it again. So I'm glad you said that. You know, we, we do these a lot and I don't think I've ever heard anyone say coaching room. So just for the group, just so you know, what, what we do is we do a coaching room. It's one Zoom room and you come into the main room and then I'm in there. Okay, Valerie, let's take it to a breakout room. So we actually go to a private breakout room to do some coaching, but we all kind of come into kind of the central room just to make things super simple. What about you, Bo? What about any um, any surprises or things maybe you weren't expecting? Uh, yes. So the questions, some of the questions that were asked, how they were phrased, hmm. um, caught me off guard slightly, but I, I hammered the, the flashcard questions. So I was able to identify like, take a second, think like, okay, um, I think it was in the loves interview. They asked me like, uh, it was like, what on your last evaluation would your boss say that you needed to work on? And I was like, oh, and then I was like, okay, that's a weakness question. Yeah. Um, so, so like that, and, and each company, they don't ask, they might ask you verbatim a flashcard question, but just being like ready to, or able to identify what kind of question it is and then just rolling with it. Um, and once that happened, uh, that was day one. I was like, oh, okay, now I just need to be ready um, for surprises like that from other companies. It's so good. Um, I think people think that when they're answered, they have, oh, okay, I know every answer to the 28 Cameron Brooks questions. I'm ready to interview. You guys, that is not ready to interview. That is a milestone that is on the way to ready to interview. I think more of the way to interview is a combination of what you said, Bo, and what Ryan said earlier. It's like, 
it is going to be more conversational than you think for the most part. There were, I know you all experienced some very structured interviews, but generally speaking, they're a little bit more conversation than you're expecting. So the idea of like, oh, I know all of my answers, it's not quite all the way there yet. I mean, that's close, but we're not quite all the way there yet. So that's good feedback. How about you, Ryan? Um, any any surprises or things you weren't expecting? Yeah, yeah. so I think, and I had a couple of friends come through, so I, I kind of knew the gist of what was going on. Um, sure. I didn't believe in them, and I guess until I got in there. But re- I mean, I guess in my head, you always think in the movies. You always think like an interviewer comes in. There's ten questions. They ask you a question, look at you, write it down, and then next question. But for me, really, there was many times where it was twenty minutes of just I would explain who I was, my bio, and then they would tell me who they were, and then we would just talk about colleges or we talk about where they grew up. So it really was a conversation, um, and I think it really it made me kind of more. Um, I guess better, better at interviewing itself. Cause I think I'm more of a conversationalist, but then there are also times where s- some of the interviewers, they'll talk the majority of the time. So you have to figure out when you can, you can kind of get your way, your way in there um, without taking over the conversation, but figuring out like, Hey, they kind of stopped here. Oh, I've done that before. I did that in the army doing this, this, and this that's awesome. And then they'll continue their speech. So sometimes figuring out when you can kind of butt in there a little bit to, to let them know that you're paying attention, but also you care about the job instead of them just speaking for 45 minutes and then, oh, it was nice to meet you. We'll talk to you later. So for the group, one of the things you can practice, we mentioned this earlier, but you know, when you get to, you know, in the study groups, we call it the crawl, walk, run phase. When you get to the run phase, mix it up. Like it's hard to do, like you're pretending like you're a hiring manager in an industry, in a company that, you know, just like, oh, I have no idea. But like, try to do that, like over talk sometimes and make that person like get in and like, like interject occasionally. I think that's different ways to mix it up and replicate what things might be and what you guys are saying tonight can be super helpful in, in helping future groups try to kind of work through that. Um, Ryan, keep going. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave it with you for a second. What do you yeah. think? And this is this is more, and it could be anything. It could be process. It doesn't have to be necessarily about interviewing. But for you, what what, what was the hardest part of the conference? Um, I th- so I think the hardest part for me was trying to figure out all the different companies, um, figure out exactly what they did. So there was a lot of times where, and I think you guys did a great job of actually giving the information, the the baseline on what what the position is. Um, what the company does overall with the overall goal mission. Um, so they got did a great job. There's a lot of times where I'm reading, kind of reading up on that company and then going into the interview. And then I always had that right next to me um, with with the questions laid out, which was huge. Always have your questions written down right next to you. Because there are a couple of times where for me, I interview with three different Boston Scientifics. So um, there was a couple of times where I'm like, uh, what's the difference between cardiology and structural heart? So really understanding the difference um, before going in there to an interview and not not knowing what the company does or what the job is 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 itself, because then I think with that frame of what the position is, you can you can dictate what your answers look like or use a different significant accomplishment uh, to really hit home of hey I've done this before or I'm ready to do this because I have this style of background. I think companies like know that you're they definitely know that you're interviewing with a lot of different companies, but but they still expect you to know them. Yeah. You know, it's great. You're interviewing with a lot of companies. Okay, fine. But like, like we're, we're us and we're special. And so that's great. You're interviewing with other people, but it's, we're special and they are special, but everyone's special. Right. And so I think that's a very, very good thing to think about is like, 
Yeah, really, really go into every interview. And like what one of the kind of phrases we use around here is go into every interview like it's your only interview. And if you were just to have one interview with Boston Scientific Structural Heart and nobody else, you would know exactly who they are. You'd know exactly what they do. You know exactly what products they make. You know exactly where they where their call points are or whatever, whatever is special to them. And so I think a way to accomplish what Ryan's describing is make sure you're ready to interview before the conference. Don't come to the conference still working on interview questions because there's just there's no time for that. Like that's done. Now I'm going to devote all my time, energy, and effort to like keeping all these Boston Scientific straight or whatever, right? Getting yeah. all, like making sure that I can identify the uniqueness of every one of the interviews that I'm going to have. So that's great. Okay. Very helpful. How about you, Valerie? What, do you, what, what was the hardest part of the conference for you? I think for me, the, the hardest part was, um, you know, you're putting so much energy and honestly emotion, but you're putting so much, you know, kind of mental energy into each and every interview. And so I think for me, the hardest part was just after each interview, kind of taking a second to decompress and, you know, let, let it out and, you know, reset myself for the next interview. Because every single interview, like you say, you're trying to put your all into every single one and put yourself into the role and keep your energy high and have some pizzazz and some, you know, um, character that you're bringing to that interview. So I think kind of maintaining that energy just that mental load that comes with it uh, was kind of a challenge over two days, but you're just taking, taking a little bit of time, whether it's going for a walk or just getting some sun. Yeah. One of the things that I'm sure there, you know, if, if I don't address this, that will be a question from the group is like, what about back-to-back interviews? So did you have like, literally you walked out, you clicked out of one interview and clicked into another one like that. How, how many of those did you have, Valerie? I, I probably had two or three that were back-to-back and it, it usually wasn't immediately back to back, but it was, you know, click out and then 10 minutes later, you know, go get a drink of water. And then I'm, I'm kind of uh, thing for the next one. Yeah, we try to we try you guys to at least give 15 minutes between interviews. Um, sometimes it doesn't quite work that way. Usually on Tuesday when people are trying to like wrap things up and get on down the road with their life companies, that is. Um, so sometimes it's like you got an interview at two and an interview at 2.45 and and don't worry about like the, oh gosh, I got to get out of that one and get into the next one. Like we'll get all the structural part of that down. But, um, but you know, that's why you got to be ready. Like you got to know, I'm going to go into this interview at two and then, okay, here's what I'm connecting with. And then I'm going to go into this one and it can be a little bit challenging. So, um, Bo, how about you? What, what do you think was the hard for you at least? What was the hardest part of the conference? Yeah. So, uh, the hardest part for me was like a mixture of Ryan and Valerie. Um, Keeping the company straight, I probably had like five to six pieces, note paper, my interview prep sheet, the, you know, the, the company information sheet all out on the desk while I was doing the interview. Um, and, and I had them all spread out and, and Saturday and Sunday, you're going to be very busy with, uh, company briefings and, and other briefings. Um, so getting all that information. But what I did um, was Sunday night, I just focused on the interviews I had for Monday. Um, did all those sheets, uh, still took notes during the, the company briefings, um, got all my sheets done, reviewed them, and then Monday morning woke up earlier before my interviews, again, reviewed them, and then rolled into Monday. And then after all my interviews were over, I worked on Tuesday. Um, but also decompressing after the interviews, like, you, you want to like talk to someone um, and, and tell them like, I think I did well or whatever. So just hopping in the uh, breakout rooms and, you know, even if it's f- 
five or six minutes, just say, Hey, this is how it went. And then I think uh, a really beneficial thing in the breakout rooms was Pete and Brock would ask me, how are you going to relate to this next interview? Yeah. And so it really made me start to think, focus. yeah, yeah. Shift my focus and just roll into that next interview. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the hardest part for That's me. Great. Okay. So let's talk. I want to do this real quick and let's give time for the group. Um, follow-up interview process. So the conference is very intensive, four and a half days. We started six o'clock at night on Friday, if you can remember all the way back to then where we were doing introductions, six o'clock at night on Friday, all the way to late in the afternoon, Tuesday, and then we're calling you guys Tuesday night. Uh, very intensive, very intensive for four-ish days. Follow-up interview process is a little bit different though, right? And so maybe Valerie, why don't you start? What, what was your follow-up interview process like did you do any person, any in person? You know, just tell us a little bit about your process. Yeah, so I I ended up uh, pursuing five different companies in the follow up stage, and four were going to be virtual interviews. Uh, one was going to be an on site, and I ended up going with the third company, which ended up being Mars. So I, I didn't end up going to the last two. Okay. Um, and and for me that was you know we can talk about geography, but I ended up having to weigh. An option I had that was a great option, which was Mars, um, that was potentially outside of you know, husband's geographic preference, um, with kind of the unknown of my second two interviews that were both in our geographic region. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I think I had a lot more time in the follow-up interview stage, so I was able to do a lot more deep dives. I kind of went into podcast heaven and trying to listen to different podcasts and kind of do deep dives into the more niche areas of some of those industries and uh, kind of specialty areas. Yeah. So what are you, what are you saying about that? So you, Mars was your third follow-up and you had two more to go, but you're like, ah, we're good. And I'm going to, I got an offer. This is the offer I want. And even though it's in Nashville, isn't that where that job is? Yeah. It's in Franklin, South of Nashville. Yeah, right. So, um, uh, but you're like, oh, okay, I'm not even going to, how did that, how did that work for you? Why did you do it that way? Yeah, so I was kind of in a unique situation because I um, got my offer on a Friday and I only had three days, three calendar days to make a decision. And so it was such a great fit and such a great position. And it was a hybrid position as well. And so it was a great fit for me personally and for my family, but it was outside our geographic region. So I had to make that tough choice. And, you know, my husband had his heart set on being out West, but yeah. we kind of made that decision because it was the best overall decision for our family. Um, and some of the other follow-up interviews were potentially ones that involved uh, travel or, um, you know, maybe it was not going to be the best culture fit. And so I kind of took, you know, the opportunity I had in front of me, which was a great opportunity. Five years from now, you are going to be the best darn brand manager this world scene. You're going to decide <laughs> where you decide. We'll go out west or not. Who really knows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about you, Ryan? Tell, tell us a little bit about your follow-up interview process. Yeah, so I think uh, also kind of what Valerie was saying, I think there was five I narrowed it down to. Um, I had a pretty good list, but I think there was five that I could really see myself getting into. I like the locations. I like the culture. I like the mission. Um, but so since I'm out here in Hawaii, there was three that were three that were virtual, and then the other two were in person. But um, I ended up going with um, Intuitive Surgical to Austin. So I flew there, and less than a week after the conference, I flew there, went around with a rep, which was awesome. I was inside the operating room which I never thought I should be, I should never be back there, but you know, I guess no. I, I was good to Crazy. go. <laughs> um, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I got to see the Da Vinci at work. I got to see really cool things. I went out to lunch with them, um, with about three of the executives. So 
did that. And then I also had another follow-up interview um, on the back end as well. But a lot of mine were virtual uh, being out here in Hawaii. But um, I think overall, I think I had a great experience with it. And I, I really got to meet new people. Every single time you're meeting someone new and you're kind of getting more information about the position, yeah. the company. So the big thing really is keeping notes. Um, but for me, Motorola was Motorola Solutions really was my number one. So I knew if they offered, um, I mean, I liked, I liked a lot of other companies, but I knew if they offered, I knew that's where I wanted to go. So even after, after accepting that, I, I had to tell, I had two other, two other interviews the same day and I had to tell them, Hey, I, I appreciate, appreciate you guys, um, wanting to pursue me, but I think I found my dream job. Um, wish all nothing but the best for you, for you and your company. Gotcha. Okay. Let's do one more, Bo. Let me hear you. Let me hear your follow-up process. Yeah, so mine was uh, very quick impact. Uh, so Monday I interviewed with Sinclair. Um, they wanted to have dinner Monday night, which was not an option because I had to prepare for uh, interviews Tuesday. So I did dinner Wednesday night with Sinclair, and then I did a site visit f- Friday morning. And then the next week I had a follow-up with Heartland on Monday and intuitive on Monday. And then Tuesday, I had a follow up uh, virtual with Sinclair with the director uh, in Dallas. Uh, and then Wednesday, I had a virtual with Loves. And then Thursday night, Loves flew me to Oklahoma City. Um, and we went and got to see a couple stores, went to their corporate office, um, had lunch, got to talk with the executives. Um, and I actually got my offer on Thursday from Sinclair and they had to know by Monday. Um, and Heartland was going to bring me out for a site visit uh, that week. But same thing with Ryan. I just had to say like, hey, look, like I found the fit. Look, like this is the job I want. And um, thanks, you know, thanks for your consideration. I really enjoyed talking with you guys and getting to learn more about your company. One of the things I want to just kind of add on to that is um, like like I said earlier, the bar is high, you guys. The the bar is high, but for a prepared candidate with the right attitude who comes in there and tries to solve companies' problems, yeah, the bar's high, but you got living proof from three officers right here that like you come in there and you kind of handle your business that way, you come prepared, you get a lot of options, you get a lot of choices, you get to get a lot to see what's out there. So really, really good perspective and feedback, you guys. Super, super good perspective. Okay. So I'm going to turn on the questions and answers and I'm going to try to just read these verbatim and, uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. So this one is for Bo. Um, it says, I'm, I'm in a similar time frame as you prior to the conference with short, such a short timeline. Which areas of preparation do you think were most beneficial to you and how are you to pick which to prioritize. That's a question for Pete, by the way, but I'm going to let Bo take a swing at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. So, uh, so obviously like interview uh, question response was like my number one priority. Um, and I actually drove from Alaska down to Dallas. Um, so I had some time in the car to work on that with my wife. Um, but that was the main uh, focus. And then also like, I was listening to audiobooks, um, listened to uh, quite a few of the Camera Brooks podcasts. And, and after listening to those podcasts, my um, preferences actually changed. I didn't think I would be interested in sales, but I listened to a few sales podcasts. Um, it changed my mind. Um, I didn't end up going with a sales job, but I still interviewed with some. Um, and, and, but I think, uh, you know, having your responses 
but also like Ryan said earlier of being able, able to conversate with people and not being a robot was, you know, that was the, the thing that like helped me most in the conference. I just got listening, got done listening to a very long novel, very famous novels, very long, but I listened to it and I love listening to audiobooks because you can take in massive amounts of information in an extremely short amount of time. And I actually think that Kenworks reading program is more beneficial in listening because it forces you to just kind of listen quickly so you can take away the big nuggets, but not try to remember every single thing. So uh, that's all I want to add to what Bo said. That's great. Thanks, Bo. And you can listen to the books on 1.5 speed and read them faster too. Yeah, or my wife like makes fun of me because I'm like, 1.3 is my max. I can't go more than that. I can't think straight when I'm there. But Okay, yeah. so this is going to be for Valerie. It says, regarding study groups, when speaking, to, when speaking to more time, how much time would you recommend is sufficient? Acknowledge that more time is always better. Follow up and then follow up for the panel. How many sessions did you have? would you recommend a week? So before you have even answer this, I want to say there's a video in that study group email you received called the crawl, walk, run video, which will give you some good perspective on that. But now let's hear from the people who just went through it. Valerie, what do you think? Yeah. So I think, I think I was in a study group for probably five or six weeks. Um, I would say for me, if it was closer to two months or maybe, you know, two and a half months would have been the perfect uh, time frame. Um, and then I, I think that me and my study partner, you know, I think we did follow the fall, crawl, walk, run mentality. Yeah. Um, and I think in the study group, one of the most helpful pieces is when we started uh, doing the analysis of the different job sheets and filling that out to the actual uh, rep sheets. That was something that was really helpful because we were able to really analyze what the job was and be able to kind of talk about that to each other. Because at least for me, in all of my interviews, understanding the core competencies and being able to kind of relate my military experiences and actually verbalize those competencies was, I think, something that allowed the you know recruiters to kind of check a box and say, yes, okay, she said that word and she related it to her job. Yeah. Um, one thing just for the January, I'm sorry, yeah, for the January 2024 conference, I am doing, she, she referenced the the webcast that we teach how to break down a company information sheet and kind of create a game plan for every interview. That's going to be on January the 2nd at 5 Central. And of course, you'll be auto-registered for that, but that next one's going to be January 2nd, 5 Central. Real quick, Ryan, how many, and you're going to answer, actually, I'm going to get you to answer the next one too. Um, how many uh, How many times a week did y'all meet when you were kind of at your at your height? Yeah, I would say at our height, it was at least twice a week. Um and I think at that point it was kind of the run phase. So a lot of it was basically an hour of where I would just I would just drill them with questions, and then and then they, they would it would be an hour back and forth. So um, I do think at some point though it, it, it is it's been a it's beneficial up to a point, but after you get past an hour and a half up to two hours, I mean you, you feel dead. So I think there is some time to to get out there to practice your interviewing, but also take the criticism and then sleep on it. And then yeah. the next day, get back to it. And I, and I broke it up into chunks um, each time. So like, I really nailed down the bio resume while I'm leaving the army. And then that's what I really focused on. So then break it up into chunks. And then by the end of it, it should be, you know, just act like you're an interviewer for a company and act like you're part of that company. Hey, this is for a sales job for Motorola Solutions. And then you just kind of go through it. And then you kind of hit all those major points with the significant accomplishments, your strengths. Why, uh, the big one, why do you want to be in this industry? Why this company? Um, cause they will ask you that point blank, like, well, why, uh, why Motorola solutions? 
Why do you like Steam? So you have, you do have to have the why behind you. You're wanting to be a part of them. And then also um, the big thing is kind of how can you solve their problems? And I think that's the biggest thing. They want to know, can you solve their problems? And don't worry about the why as much for those that are maybe feeling intimidated by that. Don't we're going to teach you how to do that. So there there's a way there's a way to get there. So but yes, that is a absolutely again, why us is a major question. Um there's a question it says what was the general ratio for everyone on total conversational interviews to more scripted flashcards and and you guys can weigh in on this, but I mean, the bottom line is it's not like, oh, I had three scripted and two conversation, whatever. It's going to be, most of them are like both, right? Most of them are like, yeah, they're conversational, but but there were some like, questions in there in a scripted way as well. But Bo, you want to weigh in on that? You want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So even the conversational interviews that I had, that was just more of a conversation. Like Pete said, the, the questions were still there. Um and, you know, maybe they were flashcard questions. Maybe they were, hey, I see on your resume, it, you stated that you did this. Tell me a little bit more about that. Um, and, and, you know, obviously you use Bluffstar, whatnot. Um, I did have one interview that was like straight up like answer and question, and it was rough to make it through. But but for the most part, they were all conversational. And it was like a conversation like we're having now, just with questions added. in. Yeah. Anybody want to add to that? Yeah, I would no. say that mine mine was uh, so you know like 30 percent, um, you know, more formal structured answer or structured questions, and probably seventy percent conversational. But similar to what Bo said, you know, a lot of times they would they would mention something of, oh, you like Mars because you like the creative aspect to this. Tell me about a time that you did something creative in the military. So that mm. a lot of times they'll use specific things to kind of. They're not going to ask you specifically an accomplishment question, right. maybe, but they'll use that as like a launching pad for other more formal questions. Okay, like it. All right, this question is for me, so I'll try to do this fast. In regard to what Valerie just shared, is that a typical practice you see for companies in the follow-up interview process, giving very limited time to respond? I should have addressed because I knew there was going to be a question. Um, no, that's a little bit of a of a tighter turnaround. So, I mean, but, but, he, but I will say, let me just, let me just kind of say this directly. Um, like when you start the follow-up interview process, things are going to move a lot faster than you think they can or should or will. I mean, just think about what Bo said in terms of the way that he was talking about his follow-up interview process. So funny about this process. Cause when we first partner, if you know, you're six or more months out, it's like, okay, we'll talk to you again in like two, three months or whatever. It's like, oh my gosh, it's a long time. And then like, as we get closer to the conference, you're in study groups, you're in mock interviews, you're in workshops, and then boom, you're at the conference. There's all this activity. And then as soon as it's over, it's almost feels like you're like, okay, good. That's over. Now I have all this time again. And you really don't. So no, I don't think it's overly common to be like, hey, here's your offer and we need an answer in three days. That's a little unique, but I mean, companies have their problems, right? And they're trying to fill their position. So that's not off limits. Um, but I think broadly things move a little bit quicker than than you would expect. Um, okay, let's do... Um, Let's do, and we kind of asked, we, we, I think we, maybe we hit this, but I don't know, maybe not. So let me, let me ask it because it, because it's an interesting question. What do you feel was your secret sauce of success for the interview? Secret sauce. Everyone gets to weigh in on, 
and I'm looking at the clock earlier a little bit, so maybe you give your Reader's Digest version of secret sauce. Valerie, you go first. Lay it on us. All right. So, well, since I'm going into brand management, I would say storytelling is the key to the secret sauce of being able to paint the picture and make sure that the recruiter person interviewing you fully understands the story, the so what, and why that matters. Um, because I think uh, a lot of times there's probably specific recruiters that didn't think that my you know bio probably matched their what they needed, but I was able to tell a story and really paint the picture so that they understood you know that it was extremely relatable. Uh, I would say yeah, storytelling is is the key to you know making sure that you're able to relate to them into the role. Sounds good. How about you, Ryan? Secret sauce? Yeah. So I think for me, it's just be yourself. So I mean, Cameron Brooks only picks up. The, t- the top 10%. So everybody in camera boats, you guys are very high performers. You guys are great at your job. You guys are the top 10% in the military. So be yourself, be confident whenever you go in there. And also I know as much as you're getting interviewed, but you're still interviewing them because you want to join a company that you like, um, a location that you like and a position that you want. So I think the biggest thing is just be yourself, go into the interview, be confident and, and, and have a good time. Um, I think, I think a, lo- a lot of it, a lot of it is going to be after your first interview, the stress is off. And then it's just, you're just talking to people at that point. And you're just, you know, coming across with your resume, hitting your major points. And then, and then really it's finding that fit for you. And I think everybody, they'll, they'll find their fit and they'll be a part of an A-tier company. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bo, go for it. We're going to, then, then we're going to have to like, we're going to do one, one question, one person. We're going to try to get all these questions answered. Yeah. Go so copying Ryan, but yeah, uh, authenticity uh, I was extremely nervous going into my first interview on Monday and I did that. And afterwards I was able to like take a breath, decompress and like, okay, like be yourself. And like, I can't tell you how many interviews, you know, we were, were laughing with the interviewers. Like it was, if you're authentic, like they can see what you did on your resume, but they want to get to know you. So it's really like, they're not hiring for you you for a sheet of paper, like Cameron Brooks says, like they're hiring you for what you're capable of, but also like who you are. So just be authentic from the get go. Um, y'all did skill bridge Ryan. Cause the next question will be for Valerie. There's a specific question for you, Valerie. How did you manage your time preparation, study groups, family matter, yada, yada. Like how'd you, there's a lot of time, obviously you're not going to work anymore. So how'd you, would you, would you do? Yeah. So, um, for me really, it was, uh, I, I tried to do the books and I did a lot of the audio books, but I did a lot of YouTube. Um, so like lean six, lean six Sigma. Um, I did a lot of YouTube, a lot of YouTube learning and just watching videos. I did a lot of, um, the interview prep and then kind of a lot of interview prep on myself. So I would, I would literally turn on a, turn on a recorder and record myself talking into a camera and then also have it timed and then kind of just keep doing things like that. Um, but you're gonna have, you're gonna have a lot of time in your hands. So I would say, enjoy, enjoy the time. But if you put in the work, um, you'll definitely see dividends. And I think the SkillBridge program, bar bar none, I would do camera books. It gives you the most time to prepare. And then also at the very end, um, you're going to be the most prepared um, going into that as well. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do, I didn't intentionally pick you three. I told you why I picked you when we started, but I, I didn't didn't connect the SkillBridge piece, but I'm, I'm glad you all have that experience. Okay, this is for uh, Valerie. So the question is, um, your naval intelligence, this person's army intel, how'd you leverage your background to fit the requirements? For instance, you know, brand management, how do you make the connections? And that that's it. She's asking you, or this person's asking you at an intel versus or at an intel, but I mean, you could actually ask that question for anything. Your field artillery, your, 
logistics, right? I mean, it's kind of the same, but Valerie, why don't you tackle that one? Yeah, so I, I would say that this this would be applicable to anyone um, applying or anyone interviewing for any of the data analytics roles is that almost all those roles, you are interpreting data to provide insights and you are communicating those insights, tailoring those insights, then allow for decisions to be made or recommendations to be given. And I think that's very relatable on the intelligence side because you are supporting some sort of um, customer, whether it's you know artillery units or aviation units or whoever, or maybe an admiral or a flag, uh, you know, general. Um, you're able to tailor that information and provide a recommendation or course of action. Um, and I would say that, that general um, theme is is very relatable um, to almost any data data analytics, business analytics role. Fair. That's good. I'm going to keep this one with you because I think you probably saw the preponderance of these types of roles. But the question is, have you seen a greater emphasis on data literacy from companies post-pandemic? That That's for me. Just talk, talk to your experience and with the increased uh, interest in AI. Um, I I know that I asked that question quite a bit. Um, they weren't, uh, most of the companies I interviewed with were not um, expecting me to know all of the different data systems that they had, but they did want a lot of times for me to be able to show, hey, I've interpreted data, I've collected data, I've cleaned data, I know how to interpret it in an Excel spreadsheet where I've worked with technicians and experts that um, I've been able to lean on. Um, and that, then I've been able to tailor that information. Um, and I think that's really what they're looking for. I couldn't have said that better myself. I'm not going to add to that other than to say that that is the level. If, you're in, if you've got that analytical mindset and you're going for analytical jobs, exactly what she said is probably the way you should be thinking about that. Um, how many companies positions showed up at the conference? That's a question for me. 40 company, 39 companies. I think there was 125 open positions or something like that. Um, I, we kind of lost count after a while. And it's hard to count because some companies are like, yeah, we got a lot of open positions. Um, I know the interviews were conversational, but how many questions were asked during the interview? Okay, ballpark, Bo, how many questions do you think, on average, do you think you probably got in an interview? Um, I would say between five and seven. Okay. Yeah, that feels right. How many, okay, how many, how many significant accomplishment questions did you get on average per interview? Uh, one, one, two, it depends. Like half, I a, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I had an interview that was 30 minutes and it was like, there wasn't really any questions asked. Uh, it was very quick. So, um, like one or two, tell me about yourself is like almost in every interview. So. Oh yeah, for sure. That's always the kickoff. All right, Ryan, did you negotiate job accept acceptances? How receptive do you feel companies were to your negotiations? If you didn't, if you if you did not negotiate, did you feel offers you received met the desired goals? Yeah, no. So I would say, um, in regards to that, I think my top five, it really, it really did. It was the, I think the big thing for me was uh, growth potential was kind of a goal of mine. I want to be able to grow. Um, location was pretty big, and then. And then also position-wise um, and, and salary to have something to do with that. But I wouldn't say I had any negotiation, but there was a lot of times, and I would definitely tell people, they are going to ask you your preference of location. If there's two to three, um, hey, we, especially the, the med sales or something like that, hey, we have two to three job openings. What's your preference here? Don't be scared to say, hey, I want to go. I think 
if it's up to me, I would love to be in Orlando, Austin, and LA in that order. But I'm also open to to going wherever you guys need fit. So I think that was the biggest negotiation. And then also on the Taylor end, it was kind of negotiating um, salary with Motorola Solutions. But it really, for me, that wasn't the major the major deal break. Um, it was really joining a company that that I could grow in a position that I liked, and then also a culture that I thought was best fit for me. So um, I guess the answer, it wasn't a huge negotiation, but there were times where companies even said like, hey, where's your family live? I told them Atlanta and they're like, okay, well, if I can get you over there, would you would you still be very interested in the job? Um, and it, it wasn't even on the sheet. The sheet was Colorado and LA. And I told him I lived in Atlanta and he was like, I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to see if I can get you to Atlanta. So, okay, hold on. I got to jump in. You got to be real, real. Okay. That's a one-off everyone. That is a one-off. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Don't be doing that. Like you know, the job sheet says Philly, Chicago, and St. Louis, and you're like Dallas, Atlanta, and Orlando. Doesn't work, but don't worry, we'll we'll talk about oh, it. The one off, the one off. Now I like I like doing these too because like it's real, right? I mean, we we you know we give you some guidelines and stuff like this happens. Um, um, I would say generally, let me ask, just answer the salary question. You know, in corporate America, the jobs that that are represented, really most jobs in corporate America, are within a band. So even if there is a little room to negotiate, it's not like the sheet, the information set sheet says a hundred and you're like, well, I'm going to play hardball and try to get two. <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way. You guys, there's not a, there's not a, you know, you start playing hardball with companies and they, you know, they're like, okay, well, I guess I'll find someone else. I mean, it's, and I'm not trying to be cold about that. You just got to be real careful. You know, we're we're interested in you pursuing the right fit and role for you. We're also interested in you presenting, uh, pursuing a, a a high compensation because we get there's a the reciprocal nature of your compensation to my compensation. But that but that's not the most important thing to me. And you just heard it from Ryan. I didn't tell him to say that. It's not the most important thing. Like you're trying to find the best fit to launch your career and really get after it. Um, all right. How about Valerie timeline? And maybe you all can just kind of give me a number timeline from accepting a job to starting the job. How many days, weeks, months? Uh, so I accepted, I guess, a week and a half ago. Okay. I'm losing track of time. Um, and I will start January 8th. Two months. I guess that's, yeah. All right. Got you. All right. Two months from flash to bang. How about you, Ryan? Accept uh, accepted a day before Thanksgiving. I start January 2nd. Two months, not quite, yeah. but okay. Six weeks. Bro, go for it. Uh, I accepted the Monday before Thanksgiving and my wife's having a baby, so they're working with me. So I get to start on February 5th. Uh, that's un unusual, but if you have a great excuse, like a new addition to your child or a new addition to your family, they'll probably let you go on with that. Um, let me, this will be our last question. I think we've actually got them all. We've already addressed this a little bit, but I want to I want to include this. I want to answer every question that we got. So it says, "Did you feel?" And Bo, I'll let you take this one. Did you feel pressured to accept job offers, or do you think the companies gave you enough time to think through the offers and your options? We already talked about that with Valerie and how she played it, right? Because things are moving fast, so you play it the way you play it. Uh, what's your What's your uh, experience on that, Bo? So yeah, Sinclair when they gave me their offer. Uh, not a week. So the following week, it was a Thursday after the conference. I only got five days. Um, but uh, yeah, they, I mean, they understand that you're going through all these interviews too. Um, but they, they're trying to fill the position as well. Um, so 
Yes, uh, I probably could have went back to them and said, hey, I need more time. And they would have been, you know, open to that. But the way our conference fell with Thanksgiving, um, it was kind of, you know, fast paced. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's and, and Cameron Brooks will teach you how to how to go back and ask for more time. Um, but, but I think they would have been very open to that. Like, hey, I just need to take things into consideration. Yeah. And I was going to say that, like, it, you know, every situation is different. Like Valerie made her choice for the situation she was had going on, you know, and whatever, you know, every, every situation is different, but companies like if you, if like, we're your advocate, so we're, we'll either give you guidance on how to do it. If we feel like, you know, you can do it, it's going to work, or maybe we'll step in and be like, Hey, I know you really want this person. However, you know, you're going to have to give them a little bit, whatever it might. So again, every situation is different, but I, I think, it's probably not something to get overly worked up about. Um, you'll, uh, you know, you'll work your situation the way you work it. So, okay, you guys, well, we went about 10 minutes over the hour, which is great. I'm first of all, thank you guys for sticking around a little bit longer than I, what I originally told you. But um, again, just being able to work through these questions and answer these questions for, you know, people that, you know, you were in their shoes like uh, two months ago. And so nervous, unsure, a lot of, a lot of, uncertainty, a lot of questions. And so it's just a super valuable time. And so for you three, I really appreciate your time, energy, and effort. Good luck here. It looks like everyone gets to take some time off. Bo, you're going to take a little bit more time, have a baby. Good luck on that situation. But uh, you guys, thanks for all your time. Enjoy your holiday and the time you have off with that big weight off your shoulder. Be with family and friends and enjoy that. And uh, good luck launching your career. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Camera Brooks podcast. Um, you know, the reason we do these specific episodes after the conferences, we want we want those who listen to this podcast to hear the stories and experiences of those who have recently gone to a career conference and are preparing to launch their career. So I hope that their stories and their experiences are encouraging to you and giving give you some perspective on um, on the process and especially the conference and the follow up interview process. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. We're gonna we're gonna launch our next episode in two weeks, and we're basically going to do a year end episode, and we're just gonna tell you a little about a little bit about what 2023 looked like, specifically the economy the growth of SkillBridge, some of the expectations that we're talking about and encountering with the officers with whom we partner. So just kind of give you a, a, a just dialogue. Joel and I will do a dialogue on, hey, what, what did this year look like, uh, 2003, for the military officer and making the move to corporate America? So stay tuned for that one. That'll be the last episode of the year, and we'll launch that in two weeks. If you're new to the podcast or just new to Camera Brooks in general, you can check out a load of information on our website, camera-brooks.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn and other social media outlets. And so uh, if you're interested, go find more information. You can also pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America. It's in its fourth edition, and you can find that either on paper or digitally at Amazon. Other than that, again, thanks for tuning in. Make it a great day.